0: Thanks for tuning in to the Equip Podcast. My name is Jeff Christ. I'm the lead pastor of Gateway Assembly. We're so excited to bring you some leadership principles and practices to equip you in your calling. We believe that you can do what God has called you to do. So let's get right into it.
1: It's good to be back here. We've been talking about calling, finances, everything in between here. We're gonna talk about vision. Are we ready? We're gonna talk about vision. Um, Can you guys start this way? I have here again with me Pastor Nate, Pastor Brad, Pastor Angelo, not Antonio, we were just telling a story you had to be there, and Pastor (laughs) Jeff. Um, Can you guys tell me this? We talked in our last uh, conversation about calling as a pastor, as a leader, as a minister of the gospel. Tell me, and just in your opinion, what makes your calling different than the other people at this table? I think that is about to lead us into vision. Oh boy. You ain't stepping on toes, you ain't better than anybody. Stop thinking that, I know you're thinking that right (laughs) now. (laughs) But what what makes your calling unique? What did God do, what did he plant in you that maybe he didn't plant in someone else at this table?
0: As a youth pastor, I was very, very involved in um, recording, um, uh, video, editing, media, uh, band type of stuff. So what we've done already is we've produced three uh, films. And uh, you can get them on, two of them on uh, Amazon Prime, Um, we've had an entertainment company pick us up our first film, uh, pure flicks. And so my whole goal was to reach the masses. And when you're in a small community of 3,500 people, uh, you have to get very inventive. And so, um, yeah, so to reach, uh, we had a, you know, my vision, you know, my vision is no different from these guys shouldn't be any different from any pastor. To, just to reach people for Jesus mm-hmm. so we have just chosen to do that through film yeah. then also through our uh, uh, we are one band ministry mm-hmm. and uh, you know we have our recording studio we've developed here and, and been able to just get our music out get um, our films out in a different way to make an impact uh, and that's out of the box, I guess you would want to say yeah. uh,
1: that it's a little different. So I think something you just said—it's good. Maybe let me rephrase this will help you. The vision, probably from the Lord, is pretty consistent with all of us that are called. But tell me the vehicle to the vision, because maybe the vehicle for each person looks a little bit different. So for let me put you on the spot. Mm-hmm. I asked you off camera, off mic, mm-hmm. what made you be a pastor, not evangelist? Because when I hear you talk, and when I hear you go—I mean, you are like—it's like it's like a prophet kept inside with an evangelist heart with the pastor calling Hmm. so maybe even speaking to that with each one of you the vehicle for the vision a little bit why it would look different not even that just maybe in general not just this table but in general maybe
2: well i think i'm really because of how i was brought up i'm really comfortable around people that are dropping the f-bomb unsafe people blue collar people um when I came down to plant the church, I was bivocational for a few years, had a painting company, worked okay. with contractors. I'm very comfortable in that arena, maybe with my wrestling background or coaching. Uh, the Bedford is the wrestling community. It's a wrestling dynasty. Oh. I'm very comfortable around that, um, which gives me a voice into some people's lives that maybe I wouldn't have. That's I don't good.
1: know. That's good. Vision. Um, Man, we're, they're dropping it. Vision has a vehicle. Vision yeah. has a voice. We're already, we're already going here. How about you?
3: Yeah, Dave, I would say, uh, with my sports background, um, I really see myself as a spiritual coach. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's, I'm I'm an exhorter. I think uh, the guys around the table that are my friends, they would uh, consider me somebody that wants to be a cheerleader, mm-hmm. cheer them on. And I sure. I think I pastor that way. Mm-hmm. Try and, I'll try and lay it out. Here's where you need to go and you can do it. And I think that's, uh, that's really, how I've tried to envision my ministry in great part is um, Mm -hmm. to exhort through the teaching of the word. I love, I'm a teacher, so the exhortation of the word.
1: So with that really quick, how many at the table you would consider like that is your niche to teach the word? Like that's what you, we're all called to do it as pastors and as I think people in general teach people. but That's our niche? Like when I think of you, I think that is your niche to teach the word of God. And that's not necessarily the niche, the the spot for every pastor necessarily it doesn't like that have to be not, right. that's
0: not my niche right you but, do it because yeah. you're,
1: you're called to do right. it but right. it's
2: not your number mm-hmm. how about is that what's your space oh um i do love to teach the word of god my uh my seminary de- degree is in theology but i think more the strong application of the lessons is probably yeah. more my like i like practicing what you preach yeah yeah
3: and Nate's I, a wrestling background. If they don't obey, he gets them at a headline and <laughs> say, you're going to do it, man. Beat him up. Yeah. Now, illegal, are you saying in the
0: headline. preaching, teaching category, what's our niche or just yeah? I think what's our niche I, in ministry?
1: I mean, I think like right away, my mind gravitated towards Pastor Brad, like, you know, studying the word, teaching the word, coaching through the word, you know, as you say, exhorting through the word where some people watching or listening, you know, in ministry, they're like, man, how do I do this? Like, that's not really what I even, I know I'm called to that, but that's not my number one. Right. I think just letting people know that's okay. If it's not your number one, like you're called to do it, you do it, but you can be using many other facets as well.
0: Yeah, and again, I think we all agree that probably 5% of what we do is preaching and teaching. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I know for me, I, I'm not a good preacher. I, I would think I'm a good communicator. But um, but because I struggled with um, just presenting the word, I love to do illustrations. Right. And that's what got got me excited about presenting mm-hmm. God's word through
1: illustrations. Yeah, and, that's good. That's so really good. How about you?
4: Yeah, I don't think uh, preaching is like my number one. Um, I think the strength of my communication is just authenticity. Mm-hmm. The people love the fact that I get real raw and transparent and yeah. authentic and genuine. I tell a lot of stories, uh, a lot about myself and Strengths and weaknesses, and I think they they appreciate that. Yeah. And you know, as much as I love to teach and preach, more than anything, I want them to be bothered on Monday, that's, good. that's or, or inspired on Monday. Yeah. You know, I want them Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday thinking of the message. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I want to rightly divide the word of truth, but I want them thinking about it all week long.
1: That's good. So know? for you, when it comes to your vision, what do you think God instilled in you that? Is just unique to you. Like God created just you, and what is He doing with you, with in terms of your calling?
4: Well, I would say right now we just built a, a mammoth uh, outreach center. Okay, uh, we use it a lot for sports. So I think right now what I'm what I'm trying to mobilize and motivate is let's fill that place up, you know, with with souls and. And people who are athletes and people who think they're athletes.
1: <laughs> we'll take them all. Yeah, yeah. They all need Jesus.
3: Anchor
4: Bay is an athletic town. Yeah. Uh, it's a wrestling town as well. But we're not drawing in athletes. You know, when oh. I look at my congregation, I can tell you right now, they're not in shape and they're not athletes, you know? <laughs> <laughs> So we build this great giant church and we're not necessarily or gym, outreach center, and we're not necessarily drawing people into that. Yeah. So that's gonna be my a big focus coming this fall, in this January. That's incredible. I'm going to be challenging my staff to say we didn't, you know. And every time I bring it up, it goes up about $300,000 how much we paid for it. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. the first time you bring it up, I built a $1.2 million outreach center. And then three months later, $1.7 million. <laughs> yeah. It's up to like $3 million, you know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. And, and I'm challenging them. We're going to fill that thing up with That's unbelievers. Good.
1: That's good. You know. That's great. Mm-hmm. So are we going to pair
2: up your community and your community? They're going to wrestle each other. Is there that what go. we're going to do? Did, that once. We did <laughs> that once. Anchor Bay upset Bedford. It was a painful night. Oh, <laughs> like he, he calls
4: me up or texts me. Says I'm going to be at the school next door to your church. Our, our schools are wrestling each other, and we showed up. And I sat with him.
2: Oh. My boys won.
4: Your boys won, but not your team,
1: (laughs) (laughs) not your city. We we dig in. And you have no idea
4: the ridicule I got from a few people from Uh, our church, because I was sitting with the Bedford people in the home. The
1: the enemy. He's a true friend, (laughs) true friend. Man, episode two, we're getting real on episode two here. Hey, so the reason I asked that question is because I think we all have same calling, and I think we have similar vision, but the vehicle and the execution of that vision is gonna look different in our communities. Our yeah. communities are different. Our congregations are different. Our personalities are different. You know, We're gonna lean into you know, a, lot of, a lot of different things. So I wanna break this, this um, session together down really in three categories. One, discovering the vision. Two, infusing the vision. And three, exploring the vision. So could you help some people watching, listening, uh, either some tips that you've learned, maybe personal application of what God's done in your life How you discovered the vision for like at what point did you go? That's the vision God wants me to do. That's not just like a random idea I had. Like that is the vision God's given me. Anybody can speak to that?
2: I think first starting out as church planners, (laughs) our vision was a lot of stuff to do. We got a lot to do. Got to build (laughs) stuff. We got to get people in. And then um, for me, it was about a decade later of what 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 is compelled want to be, not what do we want to do. Good. What do we want to be? And so my vision was like a hundredfold. we're going to change the whole world for Jesus, and all these things that we're going to do. When I began to refine it, um, one of my staff gave me a book I went on vacation called Simple Church. Do you guys remember that book? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
2: He told his wife later, he told me that if Nate doesn't read this, we're leaving, because we were doing everything. We were busy every time. And um, the Simple Church was just the vision was love God, love people serve the world at least that's where we landed on i don't remember exactly what it was i think it was that that's our vision now that threefold vision is our three uh three prongs at discipleship and uh, of course we have a set of core values that go with
1: that give me as much practical influence as you can for our watchers and listeners in this like when you say you, you discovered that vision to be, not just do. Tell me some practical things now you do because you're wanting to be. Because I think I resonate with that. A lot of people, like you're trying to do a lot of things. right? And just because you're doing things for God doesn't right. mean you're doing what God wants you to
2: do. Right. Well, we want to reach our community and not just have events to say how many people came, but because I want people to serve because I know serving is how they grow in Christ. Yeah. So we go to the Appalachian, we go to Haiti, or we go to Mexico, not because they need us, we leave the Appalachian, we give out food, and in five days they're hungry again. We didn't solve the Appalachian's problem with right hunger, board. but my people needed the Appalachian more than the Appalachian needs us, because they need to serve and they need to learn that. So it's strategic, and then serving, they'll love God more, and in serving, they'll be with the <clears throat> team and love people, and we know that is the, where the, you know, the rubber meets the road, is do we love people? That's, that's walking out our faith every day. And um, whether it's saved people or unsaved people, or families with bad histories, or people you don't know yet, and so everything we do is strategically. How does it help us love God more, grow in loving each other more, or serving?
1: It's good. It's very good. And can anybody just springboard right off of that? Maybe some practical. Either it could be core values, some practical ministry application.
3: Yeah, for us, Dave, um, our uh, our vision really comes came out of necessity. just uh, because we didn't have anything else to offer. When we started the church, we were joking in that first segment about, you know, uh, there was was no people there and no building, no money. And the only thing we could really offer, quite honestly, was a solid word to anybody Mm -hmm. that would come. We didn't have a youth ministry. We didn't have Sunday school or anything. It was just, hey, at least I can give them a solid word. So my... I was pretty myoptic in the, those first few years, come to the pulpit ready, and uh, that really has, has uh, perpetuated over the years for us. Um, my wife is a school teacher. She was nominated as Teacher of the Year in the state of Michigan. She's on staff with us now, but we, so, all that we could do was teach God's word in those first few years, and that was out of the, really the necessity, we have nothing else to offer. That's but awesome. it, it's, it, it, that was drilled down in our DNA, um, even to our building. Mm-hmm. Um, when, we, when we built our first phase, we built it, and then the second phase wasn't to build a bigger sanctuary. It was always around discipleship, teaching the kids, teaching young adults, and so we flip the building over just uh, to double our our classroom size to be able to disciple to to get the word of God into people. And so, I think that that very common common elements with Nates and uh, and Gateway and Rock, uh, but with our our DNA would say towards the discipleship side healthy sheep are gonna reproduce, mm. you know what? And uh, so we wanna get them healthy in the word. And I would say even for me and uh, our church over the last um, 14 weeks, 15 weeks, um, you know what, it has been, it, there, there has been a solid rootedness in God's word. Not perfect, everybody, you got people at different stages, but um, I, I do believe their anchor has held because what uh, one of the bedrocks of of the church is that uh, we just we didn't have anything to offer from day one, but man, we could teach God's word and wow. that that we wanted to build disciples.
1: that's powerful um let me let me hear you guys on this side, and let me kind of spin it this way a little bit. At what point did you discover like man, God's given me this vision? Get a little more specific, would you, like God's given me this? And how did you even begin to know what to do with it? Or did you know what to do with it? It was like, you know, you were kind of like out of necessity, you know, you know, at what point did you know we were supposed to build this or we were supposed to start this or we were supposed to stop doing some things? I remember a number of years ago, God gave you the word pause and you just shut down everything for a year because you knew we needed that. How do you determine that God has given you something not just the generic like we are called to seek and save the lost to baptize and to disciple how do you know at what point it's something deeper god's given you how do you discover that we're talking about discovering it and then what do you do with it
0: well i don't know but i'm sure these guys went through the same thing but honestly the first five years and i think that's possibly you know our audience the first five years you don't know how to discover anything. I know for me, I, I, it was just so difficult. My wife used to say, um, after my sermons, I go, how did, how was it? She goes, man, you, you sounded so angry. You're yelling at everybody. (laughs) And finally I confessed to her. I said, I don't know how to preach. I don't know. I'm, I'm mad at everybody. And so I remember going back to what my first passion was. And, uh, Mm -hmm. Now, again, I don't know if I'm sure this is partly not answering the question, but um, my first passion as a youth pastor, went to a Tommy Barnett seminar, (laughs) uh, you know. uh, Pastor's school. Yeah, pastor's school, and uh, unbelievable, unbelievable. I found my calling, I found my vision. Wow. You know, what God wanted me to do. And it was just so Mm. simple, it was to, uh, uh, reach people for Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, we we tend to forget that along the way. And so um, the the number one thing when I came here, I'm like, after a year of going through pain here, I'm like, I got to get these people to serve him. Just like Nate, Pastor Nate was talking about going on missions trips. It's about getting your people involved in serving. Mm-hmm. And uh, Love it. he, uh, Pastor Angelo, was with Pastor Rick, Bosnick, they were doing a heaven and hell production. <laughs> and I was all about that as a youth pastor, you know, into these productions, seeing evangelism, people come in, give their heart to the Lord. And, but to me, what it was about was getting your people serving. Let them catch the vision of the Great Commission. And so um, I brought these guys in, you know, I barely was able to uh, raise enough money to bring these guys in. You I ain't kidding. Had, <laughs> I even <haven't> had a, <laughs> I, I had a deacon come against me. Because I had these guys come in and. That's s-
1: going to be in another uh, episode yeah. dealing with disunity. It yeah. <laughs> well, hey, well, changed uh, my
4: lunch
0: order.
1: Will we'll you? get there. We'll get there later. I'll never forget <laughs> because
0: I want to say it cost like five grand. I think to to bring this whole team in. Rick didn't tell me that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, You weren't getting paid anything. five grand. Angelo yeah. so didn't see best. any of that. He dressed up like Noah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, you got but, a hundred bucks. But anyway uh i didn't have the money i was going by faith but yeah. i knew i needed to get the people serving get them involved yeah. in fun things and seeing evangelism seeing lives change
1: vision just needs a spark yeah. it just needs yeah. something
0: yeah. and vision vision is faith with eyes you know and um i'll never forget um uh, you know, During that time, I had a deacon come up against me and, and uh, say, that could be given to missions. That could be mm. used for this. I said, no, we, this is what we need it for, um, and this is what we're going to do, and this is what we're going to put it in. Well, he left the church shortly after that. <laughs> but anyway, um, when these guys came, got our people involved, and they started serving, they mm. they... I mean, vision. So they
1: saw the possibility. They, they
0: saw yeah. the possibility, and especially when uh, your brother's eighth grade um, science, science teacher, teacher yeah. came walking down to that altar Hello. during that production, gave his heart to the Lord. I mean, it is still here. He's still the here.
4: The outreach he I was a part of? Yeah,
1: serving today. Like Nineteen and years here's, later. Here's what's crazy: as we're <laughs> crazy. as we're recording this you know visually really? let's say yeah. he helps run that department with all of our tech mm-hmm. team with the cameras wow. yep great
0: but that awesome. sparked a new vision mm-hmm. in the people but this is the thing i was so caught up with souls getting souls saved i forgot about discipleship yeah and that was another thing that i started to learn with the vision, because it has to be part of it. Yeah.
1: All these people are getting saved, now what do we do? Like- yeah, because it's
0: easy to get people saved. Honest, on one side, it's hard to disciple. Yeah, to see them finish
1: strong. Yeah. Anything you want to springboard off of, or I can make it specific?
4: Yeah, I would say, uh, I like what Jeff what said, that vision is the ability to see, but it's also the ability to not see. And what I mean by that is, ironically, traveling with that evangelist Rick Bosnick in four years, here I am in this season where I'm, I'm not getting the freedom through leadership to plant so i'm kind of forced to go on the road with this guy and i'm in (laughs) i'm in 40 churches in four years and i learned more what not to do than what to do Mm. you know and i just you know this may sound a little harsh but i just saw you know poor communication and poor vision and poor execution Mm -hmm. um i saw a lot of churches that uh thought that what they were accomplishing was it if there were a church that prayed, prayer is it. Right. If there were a church that worship, worship is it. If right. there were a church that had discipleship, discipleship is it, or soul winning is it, or missions is it. And I just see all those things in the book of Acts, and I want to experience it all.
2: That's right. Good.
4: So that's our vision is a little bit, a little bit more of a kind of. I like always say it's kind of like Myers a little bit. You know, you get everything there. Whole you know? Yeah. You yeah. know, I want them to encounter the book of Acts. Yeah. You know, as much as possible you know so uh really i I got that from going on the road and the lord was just like i want i want to use you to help others to experience what my church experienced in that first century okay
2: Okay. so
1: let's just you're gonna you're gonna take us right in the next spot here okay discover the vision how do we infuse the vision like you saw you said that you saw a lot of ways that people had poor communication right you know like they we're, you know, specifying themselves to just one thing and yeah. not opening it up. I love the scripture reference to just be the Acts church. I think right, just yeah. to stay alive yeah. in that. How do we? Um, maybe if you can start us, and anybody just hop in. Let's just let's mm-hmm. dig in. How do we communicate the vision? How do you properly cast vision? You know, something that you said is vision is faith with eyes, but also something I've heard you reference is vision has a mouth. Right. You know what I mean. So how do we put a mouth? to the vision? How do we not keep quiet what God's placed inside? There's intimidation factors, all this. Tell some stories, pop away. I'm going to sit back and let you guys roll.
4: Well, first of all, I think vision is a mouth and modeled. Mm -hmm. It's both. So I think too many guys want to just talk about vision, Mm -hmm. but they're not modeling it. So one thing the Holy Spirit's constantly bothering me about is making sure you're modeling it. Yeah. Don't tell people to disciple people if you're not discipling people. Mm-hmm. Don't tell people to win souls if you're not inviting people. Don't tell people to release people from ministry and in the service if, if you're not serving anymore kind of a thing. So I think modeling it is huge. The pulpit drives the vision. Amen. In the early days of the church, uh, you know, again, to sound arrogant. I felt like I did a really good job of communicating the vision regularly. And uh, I got caught up in not wanting to be repetitive and and vision leaks. In those middle years, you know, years 12 through about 15, 18, I did not communicate the vision as well. Um, and I would say right now we're getting back to that. I'm doing a much better job. We created core values uh, about could a you, year and a half, two years could ago.
1: Could you share just maybe just a couple core values to give us a sneak peek of what that looks yeah, like? Yeah, we have
4: eight, eight core values. One of them uh, is creativity. We know it's never been done. So when someone comes up to us and says, that's just kind of weird, I've never seen that before. Yeah, neither have we. You know, yeah, we know cool. it's never been done. Creativity is part of our values. Generosity is one of our values. We live open-handed. Why all of a sudden are we giving so much money to, to missions? We never did that before. Well, one of our core values is generosity. Sure. We live open-handed. Teachability is another one, you know. Uh, we have so much to learn.
1: Teachability is like a personal thing for you oh, yeah, you leading from. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's
4: huge. So i you had to learn that. I can spot someone who's not teachable uh, pretty easy. But uh, Those are our core values. We got eight of them. I won't get, get into all of them. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, But we redid our core values about a year and a half ago. And now we lead the church, police the church through those core values, as well as through our mission and our vision. And this fall, we're getting ready. The team doesn't even know it yet. We're going on a little mini retreat. And we're going to reestablish the vision, maybe even rewrite it a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to give them freedom to really speak into my life and just say, let's own this thing. Mm -hmm. Because I I have such a young staff and such a new staff. I need my DNA in them yeah. and, instead of me just telling them I, I, I want to meet with them, pray with them for a day or two or three up north, yeah. and we're going to come back after fall and January and kick off a fresh new vision statement. It's still going to be similar yeah. to who we are, yeah. but it'll be fresh for them, and now I know they'll have buy-in.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. We're going to talk in another, an, another uh, episode soon just about team building, but I think that right there that's huge. I want you to elaborate more, if you can, okay. on some of the things you're doing do with your that. team in another, another episode. But can we just continue conversing? Does anybody have a story, just why this is fresh in my mind about a time where it was really difficult to share your vision to a team, to the church, to people coming against you? You were intimidated. They didn't like your vision. You know, they were flashing money at you. You know, like, you know, hey, I, I, I own you. I mean, a lot of stuff happens. There's a lot of pressure. Um, how have you guys dealt with any of that? Any thoughts?
2: Well, when we first started, uh, you know, to talk about multi-site and changing the name, I had a very influential board member in every way, with family finances and everything. Just come and have a meeting with me and say, "I don't like doing that. We need the money to stay in Bedford. If we do that, there's always going to be money flowing to Toledo. Um, We'll all sacrifice for that." And uh, you would, he said something like this. I'm not going to quote him exactly, but it would be in your best interest to forget about this multi-site vision, and it would be in the best interest of me and my family, mm. if you know what I mean, because there's about 20 of us sitting back there, yeah. which is a large budget of the church for you to, to desert this idea of doing mm. multi-site. And uh, something just really rose up in me, and this guy had been with me for years. He was almost my right-hand guy for a while, and I just, I just told him, I said, the vision is not for sale. That's it's good. not happening. God has called us to take the world for Jesus. Like and uh, he stood up and left my office. Mm-hmm. Uh, and was gone for five years. And then, as he aged, and he came back and God reconciled, and Maybe. he's gone on Which to do awesome. with the Lord. But uh, there, there, there will always come those times where vision will be challenged, because people do have their own agenda and vision mm-hmm. for the church. And our vision is all the vision of Jesus. I mean, and so it is inspired. It's anointed, it's the word of God. Our vision is to win the loss. We didn't come up with that. That's mandated by our Lord. How we do that, he gives all these gifts and creativity ways that we can all do that. But uh, it is inspired. So when we preach a vision and we live the vision, like you say, model it with passion, there'll be people that come against it. Another board member came and said, "I'm." We were new. like, how can we have a missionary like once a month? What's the problem? I'm like, you, you have joined a movement that believes in mission. The Assemblies of God is a missions movement. That is who we are. He goes, well, that's not who I want to be. And I'm like, well, you need a new church. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he went and found a new church.
3: So. <laughs> you know what? A thing people need to remember that are listening or watching, David, is in great part, the studies will show only about 4% of the populace is visionary you know what a lot of them are doers a lot of them are people that want to carry out Outside. the vision but really there's only about four percent the guys around this table are visionaries that's why God's blessed them and I think understanding that people that are in the ministry God's called you to be that visionary but you've got to continually reiterate that vision to people because that's not their sweet spot. That's not their comfort zone. And, uh, you know, uh, a mutual friend of ours, Jim Wiegand, said uh, a long time ago, we were just conversing. He said, you know, Brad, I've come to understand when I'm sick and tired of diffusing or infusing the vision, that is just when people are starting to get it. Yeah. And man, that, that resonated with me uh, because as right. visionaries, you see it already, you got it. But to be able to impart that and then continue to impart it, and just when you're getting tired of it, that's probably when they're starting to just get it. Maybe. Two, two things too. So maybe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: It's time.
3: Two things
0: too. With, um, with vision to infuse it, it's so important to infuse that. Because when they, when you infuse it, and they get it, they're going to be involved more in doing that. And if if put it this way, if you don't put the tools in their hands, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, what is that? Uh, idle. What's that saying? Uh, Devil's
3: workshop. Yeah, idle idle, idle yeah. hands. Idle hands. Yeah.
0: They have idle hands. They're they're, they're all cause problems in your yeah, church. Yeah. They will, like you even said. Uh, You know, they'll almost have their own vision. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, God's church doesn't work that way. You can't have, you know, multiple visions like that. And so Mm. these these people have idle hands. And then um, I've noticed, uh, especially in the beginning of my years here, uh, these people had so much idle hands, free time, that it's almost like Satan worked through them to cause me problems.
1: Yeah not busy for the kingdom but yeah. busy bodies yeah. as paul, yeah. Says. Yeah. paul says that's
0: good good paul says busy body. i never forget i had somebody come to my uh office in the beginning years and they even showed their uh, tithe statement i give this much now this is how i want it to be done and it was a huge amount of money i'll never forget and as a small church pastor i was dying for every dollar mm-hmm. And, um, and I said, well, here's the vision over here, though. This is what I need for you to do. No, no, I feel it needs to be handled this way. Wow. And I said, again, well, you need to find a, another church. And I think um, uh, constantly infusing vision in the people so they don't have idle hands. Now, the second thing was I... Knew what my vision was in my heart in the beginning. I can, I can uh, verbalize it really good now. But in the beginning, I knew what it was in my heart, but I didn't know how to explain it. Mm-hmm. And so I got with uh, pastors. I got with some real creative individuals in the beginning of my years. To, I explained it to them, mm-hmm. and they, were help, they helped me write it down. They helped their their creativity. They they were gifted in those ways, and so they would help me write it down. They would help me explain it in a way on paper uh, that then I was able to explain it to the people. And because in that first five years, you know, uh, three years, whatever it is, your mind is just spinning. It's spinning for me. It was, and so yeah, that's why the vision is so very important. So if Mm If you have a difficulty verbalizing it, I encourage you to get with some pastors or some people in your church that are real creative with words, especially in the social media what days. Is the,
1: like, so what is the vision statement on paper, the way, you know, unity, I think, is the simple way, from what I've always heard you, you would say we're going to unify as a church and reach people for the world and all these things. But what is the way you deliver that vision statement to the church? What is the vision statement of Gateway?
0: as one for the one to reach the one
1: so that's now, maybe an example of a way that you had a vision and yeah. you had to create a way to say it. yeah
0: and so in my situation i shared that like that particular situation i shared that with a, a young man david oh
1: boy wasn't he. trying to tee myself up there, just wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> nice, nice setup. Yeah, it was, it was just, Dave, you did that well. You, you
0: didn't realize you were there. I didn't know. No, he didn't know I was going there. But now that was like the second phase of my, um, of my season here. But I remember, I don't know, 12 years ago, I shared uh, my heart on my vision for the church. And I'll never forget, he came up with that as one for the one to reach one, Dad. There he goes i I'm, my mind just doesn't work that way so I think one of the things that um, in the beginning of pastor of when you're pastoring you're very intimidated mm-hmm. you're very uh, you feel like you're a failure if you ask too many questions and so um, Wayne Benson is I think you did pastor Nate I brought in Wayne Benson Wayne Benson was an incredible tool to not not tool, but you know what I'm saying, yeah. a tool of the Lord to help me for that weekend right. to create a lot of my vision, to create, a, not create my vision, but to v- help me verbalize my vision and so on. And, um, you know, for me, and then I know uh, Tom Trask, when he came in the beginning, uh, and even he was general superintendent at the time, he let me call him. You know, you want to you wanna call guys like that. You want to talk to guys like that. And there's multiple guys out there that are so willing to uh, uh you know for other people to uh other pastors to call and so on but uh all these men help me articulate mm-hmm. things articulate my vision because you got to infuse vision in the people and if you yeah. think it's just you know by your you know the the sermon that that pulpit time is valuable let's let's face it it's valuable but it's not end all it's not end all and uh but they have to have the vision or they're going to have idle hands and you're going to have a lot of problems on your hands
1: i think something that you're saying i think is an amazing tip for people watching or listening is surrounding yourself around the right people that help you articulate what to communicate let's just be honest words matter yeah it's good the world is moved by words you know, the word of God, you know, words matter. So the way we say things, I mean, you look at even awful leaders in history, like Hitler and all of them. I mean, they moved people by words, yeah. yep. they moved them into action. So I think partly well, almost what I hear is like behind the scenes, having the right people talking it through. So on the scene, you can communicate it properly um, with people. I love the way that's said to infuse vision, because you're not just uh, laying vision on somebody or they're not just carrying a vision, but when you infuse it, it becomes a part of now their DNA. The thing I've always found as a staff member is I never feel like my vision Mm. is trampled or I don't get to have originality or I don't get to be who God's created me to be because I've found that it's very hard to pull apart my personal vision from his vision or God's vision or the church's vision or my ministry's vision, it's infused. It's all the same vision. So even though maybe um, I I do love, like you, communicating the gospel, I love teaching the word of God, I value that, and you know, for me and my personality, I probably <laughs> even like doing that more than you, You let's say. <laughs> but just because that's a part of, say, me, I don't feel like I'm that pulls away ever from your vision at all because your vision as one, for the one, to reach the one. Let me put you guys on the spot here, talking about the staff members just for a second. We'll get into team discussion. You know team talk later oh boy how well i think i'm going to list a couple questions that i want our listeners to ask themselves i'm going to ask us at the same time how well let's start do the people on your team your leaders how well can they communicate back to you without you telling them and then they recite it but like right now how well can they communicate your vision that god's given you to lead the
2: church back to you give yourself a percentage 100 percent. okay i say it every week Every time I prepare a message, somewhere in there has to be vision, every message. Yeah, That's good. Every time, every week. My goal is that the whole community would know our vision, not just leaders, not just attenders. That's my goal. That's good.
4: Um, I would say my staff does a really good job of that. Um, probably about 90%. I mean, they would nail it. They'd nail our, our, our mission, our vision, our values. They would score very high on that. Where I need to encourage them and challenge them more is, can't stay with you you know it's not it's, here we are in a uh elder meeting or a staff meeting and you guys got it down pat and you got to take it to the next level and i don't i don't think i've done a good job of leading them and reminding them how important that is so that's where I now, need to
1: improve. when you say that, you, you say, you know, 100 or 90%. Now with the values,
2: like, I bet they can't name our nine values. Okay, so that's good. Yeah.
1: So you have vision statements, you have ministry philosophy, you have core values, you have all these... I got aspects. quizzes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> all these yeah. aspects. Here. I just like... So when you like say college. they can communicate at 100%, 90%, are yeah. you talking heart, or are you talking the tongue? Are you talking like, yeah. as one, for the one, to reach the one, like they can articulate it that way, yeah. or they get the
2: heart? Yeah. Well, I would hope both, but they right. would all say love God, love people, serve the world as a vision it compelled. Okay. Yeah. The, the, the nine core values, uh, I don't know if everybody... You work uses. on it a little bit more. Yeah. Okay, how about you?
0: Oh, they could definitely, um, uh, you know, verbalize it. Um, but honestly, I would want them to live it out more than even... It, to verbalize it, it doesn't really matter to me. But to live it out um, is everything to me. Um, I I went to Jerusalem when I was 35 years old. And I'll never forget the tour guide said, uh, took us to the courtyard where Jesus um, spent, he said he spent 80% of his time on earth in this courtyard ministering to people. Mm -hmm. And right away, it just showed me how, or a, I asked myself, where's my courtyard? Where's my courtyard? And so that is something that uh, I want uh, my staff, I want my employees, I want the church to know their courtyard, to find their courtyard. Um, and again, with, the, with your pastoral staff and your employees, I think it goes by how long they've been with you. I've had the privilege of having a, I have, my people are with me, longevity, longevity. Most pastors probably couldn't say that. And so I think the
3: longer they're with you.
0: The more they get it. Yeah, the more
3: they get it. How about you? I'd say, uh, David, we do pretty well on the mission statement side. Live to serve, God period, others period. And then, you know what, uh, the staff would be very high, 90 to 100% you know, I need to do a better job. You know what, uh, translating that to the body. Uh, we try to, uh, you know what, it isn't about you. It's first about living for an audience of one, live to serve God, period. And then others, that that's where the joy comes in life. Sharing that with Nate, a friend that went through a tragedy that he realized the breakthrough in the tragedy of his life was when he started to serve others. And, um, we're getting better at it, you know what? But it's a continuation of exactly what I said earlier. Just what I think, they're starting to get it. Yeah. The Lord infuses new people, new believers come in. So it's just a a continuation yeah. of yeah. of godly leadership, drilling that down all the time.
1: Yeah, that's super good. So you have like the vision God gives you as you start ministering. I'll ask this question and then, let me ask the people listening here, these, these are questions to ask yourself. Do you have a vision statement we've talked about core values these things do you have them have you established them how well can the leaders in congregation recite back the vision of the church are we creating yearly vision let's talk about that for a second god is speaking fresh you know things new manna for every year do you have a vision this year that is relevant you know or let's say two years or however long god speaks do you find season where god speaks something rush for that or is it for you like he spoke something I, that's just what I do stay consistent how do you operate within that
4: yeah we have a yearly theme mm-hmm. you know at least out of the 18 years we've existed last 16 years we've had a yearly theme okay and it always connects to the vision or the values what is it for you right now it's just being on mission on we mission. have a little phrase that we call let's go and I sh- share that from the pulpit and everybody else screams out let's rock you know it's just a, yeah it's, so that's the fun part of it but it's just being on a mission yeah you know, I kind of felt like we were getting off mission. Mm-hmm. So our theme, really the, the topic is about being, being on mission. That's
1: good. You know, so. That's good.
0: I think for me, I, I wish I would have done something earlier in my days, and that is um, now I do it. Uh, but earlier in my days, I wish I would have gotten away and just spent time to think. You know, pastors, your heads are spinning so much, you never really, you know, you even try to squeeze in your devotion time, and you never just spend time to think. That's good. And uh, in these years, of course, now the vision for this year, the the word is territory. You know, um, and God, wow, God has taken us through all new territory. And, um, but every year, you know, uh, I, I try to incorporate a word, you know, uh, A a sentence or whatever uh, into the people, Um, but I think before I didn't do that because I never spent time just to stop and think. Mm -hmm. Sometimes uh, pastors think they got to go on a conference. You don't have to go on a conference. You just go out in a field and get alone with God for two hours and think. Mm -hmm. Just think, (laughs) you know, think because as you think, God will infuse what he wants you to speak to his people. And that's what I've been doing in these years, mm-hmm. and God has given me great vision per year uh, to give to the people.
1: That's awesome. How about you, too? Go ahead, Nate.
2: Yeah, I um I don't do it like a calendar year, mm-hmm. and I do practice what Jeff is saying, thinking or solitude. I think uh, are the ancient desert fathers, I think... Um, those church fathers that we look at and quote and think were so awesome, they spent a lot of time thinking. They didn't have a lot of social media to check or email or all the things that gobble up five minutes here, 10 minutes there, 20 minutes here. They really did think, yeah. Yeah. and I believe that's where we can hear God's voice when things are quiet. We can't hear when there's so much noise, and he does give us those themes for seasons, yeah, sometimes scary. it's a calendar year, but sometimes yeah. just a theme for the season, like there was a an eight-month period where I just felt we needed to get healthy. There's had to be some health, and we had a real push uh, with emotional and healthy spirituality, yeah, and just great. saw hundreds of people go through that. It was pretty phenomenal. Um, there was a year I really felt was a year of the prodigal. You know, the prodigal's gonna come <laughs> home <laughs> this year. it's hmm. um, awesome. A lot of them didn't, but anyhow, mm-hmm. that's yeah, where yeah. I felt it was going. And that's what I prayed and preached and encouraged parents and grandparents to. And so I do think you got to get away and you got to hear from the Lord and get those themes, whether they're seasonal or yearly. Yeah, absolutely. God does. Uh, it's His body. He's awesome. wants to move it His direction. That's awesome.
3: Yeah, and uh, Dave, I feel like the Lord does whether it's calendar or seasonal. I do think He gives you themes for us right now. Coming into 2020, it was to be using the theme of uh, 2020 vision was to be focused and it was expand the tent stakes is what we really felt like this year for for the 2020 was going to be. We hired a staff member to lead a building program and then COVID hit. Mm. And I think what I would say even regarding vision is to make it broad enough that uh, it can be strategic the whole idea of strategy is, based upon what the opponent is doing, military term Mm -hmm. or sports term, depending on what the opponent's doing, you're not gonna stay with the same game plan if they're doing something that's gaining victory or Mm -hmm. gaining territory. And for us, expanding the tent stake wasn't stick with the building program, break ground in the middle of a COVID crisis. It was, you know what, expanding the tent stake needs to really, expand our influence online. I mean, to multiple platforms where we weren't before. Right. That was how we had to strategize Fantastic. in the midst of, of the crisis, so That's huge. yeah.
1: That's awesome. So that the third question was, are you creating yearly, or I love how you guys said it, seasonal mm-hmm. vision. Another question to ask yourself, number four, do you see people actively executing the vision? A staff member, a, a leader, a volunteer in a church, congregation, and number four is, do you see people actively executing the vision? Could be a staff member, a leader, a board member, a volunteer in the church. Are you seeing them executing that vision? So we, we discover the vision, infuse the vision. Let's end with this, talking about this. How do you explore the vision? I know in our last episode, I think you talked about just knocking on doors and stuff, getting to know the city. How do you go about learning your city? Because before, I think you ended in our last episode just talking about you didn't come to change the church. God told you the church was going to change you. I think it's the same way. Like We can't go about just being like, the city needs a change. This all needs to be different. We need to learn it. So how do you explore the vision? Before you're going to execute it, can you guys give our, our watchers and listeners some practical steps, some tips, some things you guys have done to really learn the city, to learn what's happening, so you can you know, execute the vision God's given you?
2: Well, i think we need to get out from our laptops and get out of our offices and get out and meet people that live in the city outside of the context of the church mm-hmm. and i think all of us are missional so we're we're not sitting around waiting people for people to come to us we're out there at the school functions uh, volunteering at the township or the city um meeting people that have nothing to do with compelled church or our local churches mm-hmm. and uh Practically, that's what I always look for, um, things like that to do. That's good.
3: Same thing. You know, uh, for me, just over the last year, is my wife volunteered me to to coach uh, my son's second-grade rec league basketball team, <laughs> I thought I had these visions of the Indiana motion offense and, uh, you know, uh, triangle off offense from the Bulls days. You know what, and it came to, David, if I could help them, the second graders find the bathroom and the drinking fountain, that was a win. But I have made so many contacts through just loving on those boys and being out there on Saturday mornings. It has been phenomenal and just refreshed me and just opened up a whole other ministry field. It's been fun, and and what Nate said, just getting out from behind the, the desk and even what you might think is, is good and it is profitable to study, study to show yourself approved. Yep. But you know what? There's a field out there that uh, needs you to go and be a, a harvester.
1: That's good.
4: Mm-hmm. Uh, I think sometimes you just gotta look at your city and see what it does well.
3: Yeah. You know, what's
4: Celebrate going on in their city? Yeah, what are they doing? You know, they got a parade, that's really good, get involved. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. they got uh, certain things in the parks, get involved, you know. And we did that for years. We were just constantly on it. You build a big building and then you start relying on the building to bring people in. Mm. And that's been one of our Achilles heels, uh, no pun intended, because yes. I ruptured mine about a year and a half ago. <laughs> yeah. uh, but we got away from that. You know, We just saw, you know it just wasn't like strategically, it just organically happened. We started to trust in this big, beautiful, brand new building to bring people in, and we stopped going out into the community. Mm-hmm. Now we've got this lady in our church, she's a psycho for Jesus. She's that's awesome. madly in love with Jesus. She's helping us with outreach. And she's coming to us going, why are we involved in this? Or why are we involved in this? And why are we involved in this? And and I'm thinking, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. And I'm thinking, we used to, we used to, we used to. Yeah. And I'm thinking, we're going to get back to that. And yeah. cool. you know, we're going to get back on mission and get involved in the things that our community does well and just get on board, you know? One little minor thing for myself, I grew up a, a hunter, and you know, I wasn't a very good hunter. Um, and then I didn't hunt for like almost 30 years. And when we put our addition up, how, why, I don't know, but a bunch of hunters started coming to our church, so we improved our wild game dinner. That was part of the way, strategies that yeah. that got hunters to our church, you know, started off with 20 guys and 90 guys and 150 guys. The last two years, we've had over 600 people wow. come to our wild game dinner, you That's know, right. and I've established some really good relationships. They're putting a gun in my hand. They're mm. putting me in blinds, and I haven't been out there in 30 years. <laughs> they take me target practicing and skeet shooting, and... I can't hit nothing, they make fun of me, but you put some meat in front of me, and it's going down, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I've, I've just gotten involved in what my community gets involved in. I've gotten back involved in hunting and have built some really good relationships and drawn in some souls.
1: That's great, Anyway, That's awesome.
4: Yeah, I think it
0: goes back to um, what I even mentioned before about the Jerusalem thing, trying to find your uh, courtyard. Yeah. And um, I learned it in multiple different ways. Uh, I would go work out at the local gym, and in this little town, we were lucky to have one a, a gym, and um, just got rubbing shoulders with some people. Um, next thing I know, they're coming to our church, they're getting saved. We had a huge opportunities through the gym, people getting saved, going to basketball games in the community. You know, yeah. because right. you were playing basketball, yeah. and I never forget. I I led this one lady to the Lord in the um, bleachers. Yeah, yeah. and um, she. She was, um, man, that was years ago, and she was huge uh, in ministry here and so on. And
1: her whole family gave their heart yeah, to the Lord. Yeah, played basketball with her son. Yeah, that's and right. And he became a youth pastor. He wow. became a youth pastor. Same year I did. Yeah. Southeastern.
0: And so I would tell those stories. I would tell those stories over the pulpit, and, man, that just caught fire. People started getting feeling conviction because they never mm. witnessed and things like that. So I was really able to... Um, uh, you know, show people how to find their courtyard. Then the other thing was, I want to call this organization to bring in food, to bring in different, like, you know, they do haircuts and all this stuff. Uh, Our community was too small, they wouldn't come. And so I'm like, God, I have to do something on my own. And so I'll never forget, we raised our first offering, $2,500 came in, I couldn't believe it, (laughs) I'm like, God, you're awesome, and so uh, we might have had 150 people show up on the first time, and and you know, in our little community, that's this was awesome. We had parachute droppers, we had <clears throat> did haircuts, you know, give out food, clothing. Well, now that's developed into something called This Heart Loves, mm-hmm. and so now they just got done raising 115 thousand dollars. <laughs> We're given $15,000 in free gas. We take over a whole gas station in town. And I'm so glad that organization turned us down yeah. because we have created, through Gateway, on our own, that and, and through that, it got so many more people involved. Good. And
1: um, it's like you said, sometimes the vision just comes out of necessity. Yeah, yeah.
0: Exactly. And, uh, and then the other thing is when we came on this property uh, we used to do downtown parade and because my youth pastor at the time, um, after a drama they did. I was
1: preaching too hard.
0: <laughs> he was preaching hellfire and brimstone, oh and so the city kicked us out.
1: I was just <laughs> preaching without Jesus, you're going to hell. I was preaching the truth. That is the truth. The truth man. And pastor was, Nate would have loved <clears> it. <throat> that was uh, probably about
0: truth. seven years ago. They uh, asked me to come down, and they pretty much asked me not to show back up. Well then, we then plant this heart loves on our campus, and then we see. I think I, I think last year was close to three thousand people uh, serving them. But as I constantly infused the vision, it allowed them to explore the vision, and it, it just was incredible what God did.
1: That is, that's awesome. I, I'm going I want to end with this thought that you said earlier. Make sure I got it right here. It said four percent of yeah. people are visionaries. That's it. And Damn. so I, maybe maybe there's some some pastors, evangelists, uh, missionaries, people could be at a Bible college, whatever, and they're they're hearing you guys talk. Yeah. They're hearing these Jesus stories, success stories, let's call it, right? Um, 150 the first year, now 3,000. People gave 2,500 and now 115,000. That doesn't just happen. Right. That's years of consistency. That's years right. of pounding the ground, staying true to the vision, casting it, believing in it. But maybe they're out there just going man, I just, I don't see myself as a visionary. Um, I just, I don't see myself as somebody hearing all these things from God and knowing what to do, whatever. I felt like, Pastor Nate, would you encourage those people? And as we close, would you pray over those people uh, with Mm -hmm. whatever the Lord lays upon your heart with that thought?
2: Yeah, just continue to intentionally seek, just to continually seek his face. And uh, the reason you went into ministry, the vision is in there. Because there are leaders and we've all met with our colleagues or friends or some of the younger pastors that just, it just they just feel like this. It's like when we were younger, every, every tomorrow was Sunday every day. Yeah. It just seemed like we had a sermon and, <laughs> and then we were overwhelmed by that to get away or to think vision was impossible. So it is something that you learn and you just got to continually seek. And the whole reason that you wanted to go in the ministry, that's where the vision is. It's in there. And you gotta find that. That's good. Would you pray over those people? Yeah. Lord, we just uh, thank you so much um, for your vision for the Mm -hmm. world. Yes, Jesus. Mm -hmm. To seek and to save that which is lost. Yes, Mm -hmm. Jesus. And as we're reminded of Luke 15, the lost coin and the lost sheep and the lost son. That, God, you would put each in our hearts a vision, and we wouldn't allow that to be lost. That, Jesus, we would know what you want in each community that is unique, Mm -hmm. each community that is loved by you, each community that you died on the cross for and was resurrected, and you want that new life in each one of our hearts and in each person's heart. So, Lord, if there's a leader that's discouraged, if there's a leader that says, I'm not one of those 4%, Lord, I pray anyhow in the name of Jesus, you would give them just a vision of not what is, but what could could be be. and where they're supposed to steer, the people that they're leading, the ministries that they're leading, and that you will give them uh, just Holy Spirit confidence and intentionality to do that in Jesus' name.
0: Amen. Amen. Amen.